Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson and I'm joined here as always by the man who is making less than Daniel Jones. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, making significantly less than Daniel Jones, but you know, we're out here rising and grinding every day. How you doing, my friend? Yes, I, I'm doing good. Things things are well. Uh, I'm excited for it. We have uh, actual news to talk about. We have a fun show here where we're going to go through a hashtag fun show, if you will. We're going to go through every single uh, first round pick from last year, give a letter grade on how we think that uh, you know they, they look now one year in. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, plenty of news to talk about. Next week, we will have free agencies. So, uh, you know, uh, we're in the offseason, but there's still plenty to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, football is a 24-7, 365 sport, right? This is what they want. They want drama. They want intrigue. And we've certainly got it so far this offseason. And, um, you know, it starts with our, you know, our quarterback carousel. Good thing we did it last week because there's been plenty to talk about since then. Yeah, uh, let's just jump into it. Let's start off with the Daniel Jones thing. Uh, let's start there. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, it's hard to look at this as anything other than a mistake, isn't it, Kyle? The four years... 160 million dollars yeah that 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 part of it yes yeah that that is mm-hmm. expensive i mean i think the interesting thing is because i mean i think you could tie into this one too this topic especially is the um the geno smith part of this too where they were mm-hmm. very close to each other kind of comparable seasons i would say and kind of comparable like obviously geno smith is a little bit older uh bounced around a little bit more but i think you could argue both has virtually had one good nfl season and mm-hmm. it's a $55 million gap between Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. Um, now, some of this stuff, like I, I always say when it comes to the NFL contracts, wait till you see the guarantees, wait till you see the parameters of it, because mm-hmm. $160 million looks great for an NFL agent to put on a, you know, put on a tweet and say, Daniel Jones, $160 million quarterback, that kind of thing. I believe only the first two years are guaranteed. So right. the Giants do have an out for this. So it's not a disaster. But at the same time, like that's still a lot of money for a quarterback that has had one good NFL season, one solid NFL season. Yeah, and one thing I always say about this too is, you know, a lot of times when there's like this, uh, you know, a contract that appears to be too much, people will say, uh, "Well, there's not a ton of guarantees, so therefore it's not as bad of a contract." And the nice thing is, it gives you an out; you're not completely screwed for four years. But like, it's still not a great contract if part of what you have to say is, "Well, we could get get out of this contract." Uh, you know, that, that, you know that's not the goal. The goal is to get a contract that's good and actually helps your team. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's still not a lot of situations where you're saying doing the Daniel Jones business for forty million dollars or whatever it is is good, right? Mm-hmm. So, and an additional thirty-five million in incentives. I don't know what those are, but you know, uh, he could make more than forty million a year. Yeah. So, I mean, his cap number this year is nineteen million. That's not bad. Right. But then it's, you know, $45 million on the cap number next season. And a lot of that's going to be guaranteed. After that, like like we said, you do kind of have the out at that point. But it just seems like it's it's a big gamble to hope that he can repeat the success he had. And, I mean, we talk about this from time to time, this, this quarterback conversation in the NFL that I think is going to become more and more prevalent is, is it worth it to keep a guy who's, I mean, for lack of a better term, mid you know right you know mm-hmm. is it is it worth keeping a guy at that sort of level when quarter you know we always talk about the money quarterbacks are getting every time the new quarterback comes up that's a free agent off a rookie deal they're going to get paid they're going to get paid pretty close to the, the amount of the top five guys in the league because that's just kind of how the sport works that's how business works right but 
is it worth doing that rather than resetting your cycle if you're not 100% sold on your guy? Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, about the the, the day, you know, my, my kind of last thoughts on it is I don't think Daniel Jones was that good last year. I, I think Daniel Jones, you, you called him mid. I think that's probably accurate. Uh, you know, his numbers were good when he was throwing, uh, you know, less than 10 yards. Anything other than that, he wasn't great last year. Like he that he was very much a system quarterback. You could get similar value with Teddy Bridgewater, I think, and pay him seven million a year. Uh, it's just not it's just not a move I would have made. It feels like I guess the one thing I'll say, the one exception is if if you put him in a better situation, maybe he gets better. And maybe the hope is with yeah. this contract, you're not necessarily paying for who he is now, but who he could become. Uh, but it's just a move I wouldn't have made. Yeah, the thing, you know, with backloading this contract dollars a little bit as it's kind of laid out, like I said, it's only $19 million this year. You still have mm -hmm. the opportunity to go get a receiver to give him some help. You know, he had a rookie right tackle last year who struggled. Mm -hmm. uh, you hope he kind of has that Andrew Thomas-like turnaround that, you know, the Giants had that just a few seasons ago. They, they dealt with that. Thomas struggled year one. He got significantly better. He's great now. They're hoping that's the same with Evan Neal. And then you give him some receiver talent and maybe it gets better, but that's still a massive gamble for someone who, like you said, the best season we've seen out of Daniel Jones is what? The 16th best quarterback in football, maybe? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, you know, and again, my take I had a, a, a little bit ago that I feel stronger about now is I think the, the Giants making the playoffs this year might have been the worst thing to happen to them. Potentially, especially if they, you know, if they, if they go crazy on the cap this year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So, do you did you like the Geno Smith contract then, or did you think that was even too much? It's still not one I would have made. At least Geno Smith was an MVP candidate at points last year, though. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like at least he had this like legitimate, you know, flashes of the high end talent. We haven't seen that from Daniel Jones. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, it would have been interesting to see Daniel Jones with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But, sure, mm -hmm. yeah, that yeah. would help. The situation does help, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think it's pretty fair value. I mean, you saw he could perform in that offense, obviously. You hope those guys, you know, you drafted two tackles in the offseason. You hope it gets better. I wouldn't be surprised if that Seattle offense is very good next season. Yeah. One quarterback still looking for a contract is Lamar Jackson. Uh, this mm -hmm. was a, a weird a weird thing that happened of Lamar Jackson. You know, we, we expect him to get franchise tagged, but he gets hit with the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag uh you know, which basically what it means is two things they don't have to pay him as much because the non-exclusive franchise tag is top five salaries averaged from the past five years whereas the exclusive is only of this current year so it you know it basically ended up being about a 10 million dollar difference uh in terms of the money but also it means that lamar can talk to other teams and they can sign him if they want to giving the ravens two first round picks or the Ravens can decline to two first-round picks and match the offer that Lamar and the other team uh, agreed to. That's the way that it works. Uh, it was it was a surprise. It definitely is a surprise. Um, you know, it just seems it seems baffling to me that you have a top ten quarterback and you're not doing everything you can to lock it up. Right? That just mm -hmm. seems like what the conversation is at this point. Um, the interesting thing is to me, like, so. It seems like to me they're waiting to see what he gets offered in the market, and then they're just going to match. But at the same time, we don't really know that because we've been expecting Baltimore to do a bunch of different things throughout this offseason. They didn't pay him initially. They didn't franchise tag him non-exclusively. And now we're at the point where it seems like that we think they're going to match the contract offer, whatever he gets, but we don't know. We don't know at the end of the day. It just seems... 
all of this seems so weird the way it's gone down for Balt on Baltimore's side. And then like how how's Lamar gonna feel if after basically a year of negotiation, they just match the contract and all of a sudden he's still a Raven? Is he gonna be happy with that situation? It's also very confusing. Yeah, and you know Lamar uh, does not have an agent uh, famously, which uh, you know part of I think a lot of people say part of why it's good to have an agent is just you let someone else kind of be the bad guy to the organization and like two people those they can fight and you can remain friendly with the organization. Uh, I think that you know I don't know exactly what's happening here. There's so many. The, the reality is there's just information we don't have, right? That's the kind of thing because. It doesn't make any sense that Lamar wouldn't get a contract unless, you know, maybe is Lamar asking for an absurd amount of money uh, that the Ravens are going to kind of saying, listen, no one's going to give you that. So we'll let you go out, test uh, the market and realize that our contract is actually pretty good. Uh, is that what's is that what is happening? Or, uh, you know, it, are the Ravens maybe not that into Lamar? The other weird factor was a bunch of teams came out and said, we're not even going to try and sign Lamar Jackson. We're not interested, which uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe just I don't, you know, have a phone call with him. Right. Uh, yeah. Meet him for lunch. I think would be a good idea. Well, I think a lot of this is an optics thing because the problem is like, I think this has been covered really weird. And a lot of people have had opinions that I think are just bad opinions on this situation. And I think the problem is, is it, this is getting under, this is getting compared to under a microscope to the Deshaun Watson situation, which mm -hmm. are two completely different situations altogether. And, you know, the tweet that I've seen that's become very popular is teams are lining up to, uh, you know, get Deshaun Watson given all his baggage, but don't want to pay Lamar a guaranteed contract, which first of all, there was like five teams that wanted Deshaun Watson who mm -hmm. was about to enter his prime and was debatably a top five quarterback in the league prior to his prime seasons, only like five teams were actually interested in getting him given all of his baggage. Right. right. And right mm -hmm. now we've only heard like four or five teams that are allegedly not interested in Lamar Jackson. That means there's still 27 other teams, 26 other teams, not including the Ravens that could be interested in Lamar Jackson potentially as a quarterback in the league. So, um, I still think there's going to be a lot of teams giving Lamar Jackson a phone call and seeing what his what his numbers are, what he's thinking, how they can negotiate this, all the kind of stuff. I, I don't think that, you know, I think he's going to have his fair share of suitors. I don't think it's going to be all these teams are just going to say, yeah, no, thanks. The difficult part about this is that, A, the optics of trying to negotiate with Lamar Jackson for a lot of these teams, when a lot of these teams have quarterbacks already in their rooms, and it becomes very tricky to, I think, negotiate that publicly and publicly say, yeah, we are in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. If you're a team like, off the top of my head, like like a Detroit Lions who have a Jared Goff who was very good for them last year, who's been nothing but a consummate professional for them for the last two seasons, it'd be very difficult for the Detroit Lions to be like, oh, yeah, we want Lamar Jackson publicly. We are interested in Lamar Jackson to give Lamar Jackson potentially a contract that he signs to then have it get matched and him go back to the Ravens. Because then what did what did the Detroit Lions say to Jared Goff? So I think this is just going to be a very hush-hush negotiation sort of thing with a lot of these teams because it's a tricky situation to then like publicly say you want another quarterback when you have another quarterback in your own building that you have to deal with. I don't know. I kind of under – I get what you're saying. Um, but – you know, for one thing, I believe the Lions have not come out and said that they are out on Lamar Jackson, which they're right. one that actually I think you could argue would make some sense. You've seen teams like, I think, you know, one thing I would say is I believe the Panthers and Falcons both have come out and said that they're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. Those are two teams 
that were one of the, you know some of the those were two of a couple of teams that were trying to get Deshaun Watson just a year ago. So there is at least yeah. some evidence of there's teams that you know there's definitively teams that are making more of an effort to get Deshaun Watson than Lamar Jackson. And now those teams aren't necessarily beacons of uh, you know of greatness. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you know the way those organizations have been the past couple of years. But you know I think it's fair to say like there is something weird going on here. Yeah, I think a little bit, but at the same time, like another part of the, you know, why the Falcons and the Panthers both didn't get Deshaun Watson too, because he was going to the Falcons last year. Deshaun was, he was set to go to the Falcons. I believe it was. Um, But the thing that changed was the Browns offered him the guaranteed contract, fully guaranteed. It wasn't Mm -hmm. something I believe if I remember the negotiations, correct in the reports, it wasn't something he was actively seeking. The, sh- the Browns came in off the top rope with the fully guaranteed contract to coax him away from Atlanta and Carolina. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, this is what Lamar is searching for is a fully guaranteed contract or close to a fully guaranteed contract, which is what Atlanta and Carolina didn't want to give Deshaun Watson last year. So that's probably playing into it because, I mean, this is a power vacuum between Lamar Jackson, these quarterbacks and the NFL teams right now is a lot of these owners reportedly have not been happy with Cleveland and what they did last season in giving that fully guaranteed contract. And they don't want to get into the business of fully guaranteed contracts. And I think that's complicating this a lot more for Lamar too. I think again, it kind of goes back to the, there's something that we don't know happening here. Is yeah. it because, you know, have they taught, do they know what Lamar is looking for? Have they, you know, these, uh, you know, higher ups talked about it and they said, Oh yeah, Lamar's looking for, you know, 250 fully guaranteed. And that's why they're saying no. Uh, maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, but again, if that's, if that's the case, that I understand it. That makes sense. But there's just, there's a jump here that, of uh, you know, there's a gap of information essentially that we don't have. Of uh, yeah. Lamar, I think has shown more, you could argue, than Deshaun Watson has, uh, has no mm-hmm. off the field issues whatsoever. He's been basically a model citizen, uh, you know, off the field. And, you know, he's now a free agent and seems like teams aren't uh, signing up, aren't lining up for him. Uh, necessarily, which just makes you wonder, okay, it's probably a money thing. That's that's the most logical solution, but, uh, you know, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. And, I mean, it was, it, you know, Deshaun found the one team dumb enough to give him a fully guaranteed contract or, you know, that money fully guaranteed. Can Lamar Jackson also find that situation? Because I think the problem is, is that, you know, whoever whoever's going to sign him, if they don't give him that sort of money, I think the Ravens are going to match, and they have to they have to evaluate that decision. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I think you know Lamar Jackson is obviously a superstar. I think at his best, he's one of the best in the league. I think he's easily in the discussion for top. I don't know six or seven quarterbacks in football off the top of my head. I haven't updated my list since last year, so you know he's easily top six or seven. It comes down to you know, who's going to pay him that money. I think a lot of teams could look at Lamar Jackson as potentially their Super Bowl ticket or getting close to that Super Bowl ticket. Yeah. Uh, it's you're right. Such a fascinating situation. Maybe unlike one we've really seen before. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Well, last little bit of news before we get into the meat of the show, uh, you know, don't spend forever on it, but it's interesting to me. Aaron Rodgers got permission to speak to the Jets this is, you know, I've, I feel like we've heard a lot of is Aaron Rodgers going to go somewhere over this past, you know, couple of years at this point. But this feels like the first time we actually have some evidence that it could happen. Yeah. And it's been a really interesting offseason, hasn't it? I, was, was it the Packers GM that was basically saying Jordan Love's ready to start? 
uh maybe uh, i didn't hear that but like, it could be yeah yeah there's been a lot of like pro jordan love stuff this offseason mm-hmm. that i heard as far as quotes go and the aaron Rodgers, obviously the the darkness retreat followed by now this conversation about the jets and all this kind of stuff and it seems like this relationship's coming to an end this partnership between him and the packers and i mean i can't get over how much this is just like brett Favre all over again <laughs> i know it, it's incredible it's the same thing, like mm-hmm. not exactly the same thing, but it's basically the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's just so odd to me how this has kind of played out this way. And um, I don't know, like, I think it's interesting, like, unless the Packers are 100% convinced Jordan Love is ready, it, I mean, it's bizarre because it doesn't seem like they're stressing too much about this, right? It doesn't seem like they're stressing that this generational quarterback, maybe one of the five most talented quarterbacks of all time, is prepared to leave their team and negotiating to leave their team. It just seems bizarre. Well, I think part of it is, I think there's a lot of uh, people that are just sort of fed up with the Aaron Rodgers uh, situation right now. Like I know, uh, you know, my girlfriend's from Wisconsin. And so I want to talk to her, her family and a lot of, uh, you know, Packers fans there are kind of like ready for, ready to just move on, ready to just be done with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Uh, Cause they're frustrated with kind of, you know, the wonkiness that goes on. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, Kyle, I just thought though, if Aaron Rodgers does go to the Jets, like, is it a great decision? I guess is you, I think you do it. Obviously, it's worth the risk, but like, there's some real downside here. He, ha- I'm assuming he would they would have to take on the full contract. That's what you know they would negotiate that into the deal, uh, which means that he's getting you know uh, still, well, I guess you know the next four years of his deal would be 31 million against the cap, 40 million against the cap, 59 million against the cap, and then 53 million against the cap. Uh, not just that, but he's talked a lot about potentially wanting to retire. I mean, that's, you know, apparently back-to-back years, he's considered retiring. If that's true, uh, this is a big risk for Aaron Rodgers, whereas, you know, maybe uh, last year we were talking about it as an obvious slam dunk. I'm not sure if it's an obvious slam dunk right now. Um, Yeah, it's a big risk for Aaron Rodgers because it's still, you know, the Jets are still a young team. Like, mm-hmm. this is still a team yeah. that's, it's, it's backbone. It's basically what makes it, you know, talented right now. If you look at the best players on the Jets, most of them are really young, drafted within the last couple of years. You know, Mosley is basically the only guy. Um, so it's just like that is a young team to kind of inherit. And, you know, it, it's funny because he didn't want to work with these young receivers last year. Mm-hmm. And he's going to a team with all young receivers that he's going to have to work with. Right. Uh, and there's no David Bakhtiar there. It's Makai Becton, who struggled to stay healthy throughout his career, young career. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. It seems like it's it's a risk for both of the sides, I think. I think Aaron Rodgers, it's a risk. And then it's also a risk for the Jets because if all of a sudden he decides to turn around and retire next year, that's a lot of money to be sitting on that you're once again without a quarterback. Yeah, or if it goes to the Vikings next year. Yeah, that too. After the one year of the Jets, yeah. Uh, no, uh, it's, yeah, but right. I mean, he's 40 years old. I mean, and coming off of a, you know, I thought it was still good last year, but not his typical dominant self. So uh, it's just there's there's an interesting risk factor there is all. Yeah, I, it's been a bizarre. I mean, it's been a bizarre offseason for Aaron Rodgers, but it's also been a bizarre career for Aaron Rodgers, especially the last 10 years. So yeah. I don't really know to see what this plays out. I mean, like, I don't know so if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Do you do you view the Jets on the same tier as Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo? I don't. Interesting. Uh, I think that they certainly there. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of variables there, but their ceiling is certainly the ceiling uh, of a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, 
I, I think I could see that ceiling, sure. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's still like banking on like Garrett Wilson being a superstar next year and the offensive line being really good next season, which it wasn't very good this past year. And I mean, is that situation much different from Green Bay, where he had a you know offensive line that he needs to stay healthy, and he has young receivers that need to take a step forward, and he has a really good defense that he's banking on? Like, it seems kind of the same. I mean, the, the Green Bay defense was not good last year. Well, you know, talent on paper in the offseason last year, we thought it was going to be good. Sure, that was going to be great, but it didn't, yeah, didn't work out. I, I could see it bouncing back this next season. Year to year, it can be kind of different. Sure. Well, I, I, on that side, I think I agree. Uh, interesting stuff. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure this is not going to be the last we talk about Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Uh, tends to get a lot of offseason talk. Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to go through the draft order one by one of last year and give our grades. Uh, let's just get into it. Number one, Trayvon Walker. <laughs> I mean, A+, plus, right? Yeah. You want to do your thing first, and then I'll just listen. I mean, I could just sit back here. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I've talked about it to death at this point, but my grade's an F here. It was not a great signing, I thought, at the time of defensive linemen tend, if they have success in college, tend to have success in the NFL. If they don't get, you know, rack up numbers in uh, in the right numbers in college, such as like pass rush win rate and things of that nature, PFF grade's also a great indicator. Typically, they don't end up being successful. Uh, They're you know, the Jaguars were banking on Trayvon Walker being an exception, which sometimes guys at physical tools are exceptions, but they're banking on that with a first overall pick, which I don't love. However, again, he's a project. The one thing you hold on to hope for if you're uh, a Jags fan is the chances were very low. He was going to have a good rookie season anyway. Maybe year two, he can take a step forward. Yeah, I guess the one thing like, so did you put F? I didn't hear. Yeah, F. Okay, so. The, the, the biggest problem with the Trayvon Walker pick is obviously who was picked after him because mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, we'll get to those guys in a second. They were more polished prospects and they look very good. Um, you know, so that's the tough part about the pick. I guess the one thing you could say, if I, if I were to play devil's advocate, if I were to go to the other side of this, you saw the glimpses of why Trayvon Walker was so enamored teams by the end of the draft cycle right you know Mm -hmm. you saw the glimpses where you know he would go against grown nfl offensive linemen and just move them back three yards and Mm -hmm. while it didn't result in a sack or a pressure it was a physically impressive play and it forced a quarterback to bail out of the pocket they weren't necessarily prepared for you know there were moments of that we saw him as a guy who was kind of a almost an interior defensive lineman in college be able to step out as an outside linebacker and make some plays defensively too. Like not consistently enough with any of this because he is young, he is unpolished, but you saw these different things that he could do that are kind of, you you know, almost, you know, to use an NBA term, almost like a unicorn as far as the prospect and player is that he could step inside, he could step outside, he could step out as a 3-4 outside linebacker and do these different things. It just feels like it's a long way off from being a consistent product. And that's the problem. Yeah, seems like he was, you know, he used his strength well. And when he went up against guys that couldn't, you know, weren't very strong, it, it looked good. But I guess, you know, good. he had 900 snaps last year. You're going to have some good plays in 900 snaps. Uh, to me, it's like if he had one of those starting catchers that uh, can't hit, but is only in there for the defense. You know, you, you can look up some highlight reels of them getting singles and getting doubles and stuff like that. But when they're hitting 100, like it's still not good enough. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like I wouldn't be shocked if we look back, like if we d- redid this five years from now. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be shocked if we look back on this pick and say it's fine. It's at least a C or 
potentially even a B if he, you know, taps into some of that upside. Mm-hmm. But it definitely doesn't look great now. And it doesn't look it, it looks even worse because the guy behind him, which we I guess we could transition to number two, looks like an absolute defensive player of the year candidate, and this is an A plus draft pick. Yeah, I'm going to give it an A, not quite an A+, plus, but I, I'm with you in a sense, uh, just because I thought he got off to a bit of a slow start last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I agree. I mean, you saw the upside. He was the clear-cut number one overall pick. Uh, and, you know, again, th- this was the guy who had success in college and is also a freak athlete, too, in his own right. That kind of got overlooked, I thought. Yeah, what was his thing? Small arms? That was why yeah. he mm-hmm. kind of slipped to number two? You know, small Despite arms. Despite no, there's no evidence supporting that that matters. Yeah, small arms, and then the other one was that he looked bad against Georgia in one game. In mm-hmm. one game, he looked bad in college. So that that dropped him to number two. Uh, yeah, I mean, he uh, you know he was terrific, and it wasn't even just you know he had the splash plays like the interceptions, which was just pretty funny because like he mm-hmm. you know he famously said he hasn't had an interception in his life. He gets three his first year in the NFL. Right. Two of them are just completely bizarre, um, at least, and then one of them he's like standing on the sideline. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean, it was just so odd. But I mean, the impressive thing was just like, like you said, the win rate with him. Nine and a half sacks is very good for year one as an NFL player, but his ability to just win so consistently is going to be a staple for this Lions team for years to come. And why people are so excited because this offense, you know, if they do get a guy like Lamar Jackson, could be the best in the league because it was top five last year with Jared Goff, and. He's going to be the linchpin of a defense that they're hoping can get playoff and potentially Super Bowl competitive uh, as they continue to rebuild this roster. Yeah, completely agree. He was, uh, you know, a PFF's 21st rated edge rusher out of 120 eligible guys. So uh, very good rookie year from him. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's been very good. All right. Well, let's go to number three now. The Houston Texans selected corner Derek Stingley. Uh I- I'm not going to kill this one. I'm going to give it a C minus because while he didn't have a great rookie year, I thought he is a corner. We've seen corners take some time and, uh, you know, I think he did still show some flashes. I think maybe you could dock it a little bit lower because of who went right after him, similar to the Trayvon Walker thing. But, uh, you know, I think corners are fluky enough. They're not going to crush them after one bad year because I think I still think Stingley has a lot of potential. Yeah. And there was some upside. I mean, the tough thing is that, I mean, how many how many guys like do you think were NFL caliber on his team with it? Like uh yeah, n- not a lot. Yeah. So it's just it it's um it's definitely a tough look because of that. That's for sure. But at the same time, I thought there were some flashes. I actually think he weirdly started the season fairly good. Uh-huh. And then it started to tail off. Um and you know it's it's a position that is definitely going to take some reps. So yeah, without a doubt, give it a, f- a little few more years. This is a position, like you said, historically takes a little bit to acclimate yourself to the NFL. Where you know that's one of the things too, where we talk about Walker, edge rushers usually can kind of seem as you know they're not dominant from day one necessarily, but edge rusher is a lot easier to transition to the NFL compared to cornerback. Uh, and I think that's something where you can give give him the benefit of the doubt compared to someone like Trayvon Walker. Yeah, and, and Stingley's also had some injuries, too, and it's the kind of can, can start to explain some of the stuff as well. But still, uh, not what they were hoping for after uh, one year either. Uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And, um, you know, they're going to hope he gets better, and this defense, you know, across the board needs to get a lot better. Yeah, so what's your grade for it? Uh, I went with D+, but I could also be talked into a C. 
Yeah, I mean, you could talk me into a D plus. Like right around there feels about right, uh, I think. Uh, let's go to an A plus, Sauce Gardner, who was <laughs> at times a defensive player of the year candidate last year. I mean, this is an A plus plus plus. Jackson, do we lose Jackson here? Oh, are we there? I can hear you, but I can't. Um, uh, well, I'll do my uh, okay. Sauce Gardner thing while Jackson comes back. I hope that's him and not me. Oh, it might be me actually. Sure. Uh, I can hear Kyle. I'm not sure what's going on. Kyle, can I can you hear, hear you. I can hear can you. you. Hear me? All right, yes. I'm back. Okay, that was I heard you the whole time. And I could, I don't know what's going on. I think, I think my internet flipped. Okay. Um, that might be, that might be what so I was talking well, just that entire time, dude. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. In the chat, uh, tell me if, uh, you know, tell us what happened there. Um, what, what were we doing? Uh, what were we saying? Sauce Gardner. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to grade it? I, I see. Yeah, I said a, a plus. Yeah. This is a pretty easy one. He mm-hmm. was debatably one of the best corners in the league last year. And as a rookie, that's incredibly impressive. And he looks like he's going to be a staple as potentially one of these. I mean, I hate to I hate to utter the names, but is this a Deion Sanders, Darrell Revis level player? It seems like that because, I mean, to to be in that spot and be you know in this position, which is debatably the hardest in football, especially in year one, to step into the spot, especially in the ultra passing league like the NFL is now. I mean, he was terrific. I mean, it seemed like he belonged right away and was one of the best players in the league. Uh, yeah, uh, it, that's. I mean, that's really his upside. It really is. You're right. It's Deion Sanders. It's Darrell Rivas. That's what. That's what he's going to get compared to. Now, you know, you gotta gotta finish it off, right? Marshawn Lattimore had a great rookie year, and then you know, well, has still been a very good player for the Saints. Hasn't necessarily been, you know, and talked about as one of the all time greats, but still, uh, you know, through one year, he he's he can do no wrong through one year. Uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. He's going to be right now. It seems like he's going to be good for a very long time. And I was, um, I was, I was very impressed with him. Yeah. Uh, another guy who I thought was very impressive was Kayvon Thibodeau, who another New York, uh, player. I didn't think he had a, uh, you know, it was, it's tough cause he got banged up right away, but he kind of, I feel like out of the big three edge rushers, I thought made the quickest impact once he came in and played, I think Hutchinson then passed him as the year went on, but this is still, it's an A plus for me. I'm getting a, a star player at a very valued position with the number five overall pick. Uh, yeah. To me, that's a plus. Yeah. I ended up doing a minus just because I didn't think he was as good as the top two guys, but mm. I thought he was very, very good. And I think the flashes are there. You're looking for a little bit more consistency out of him, which I think you'll begin to see. And you're looking for him to stay healthy, which are the two big things. But I mean, for, I mean, this is a guy who's been kind of tabbed as the dude, since he was what 17 years old in high school, he's one of those special prospects like a clowny, uh, and that kind of thing. And it seemingly kind of worked out through this point, and it looks like it's going to work out for even longer than this. So, yeah, I would give it, I would give it a very good grade. I think it's an A minus, yeah. Uh, and again, you know, had that big what, uh, f- uh, touchdown or forced fumble that turned into a touchdown against the uh, I don't remember exactly how it worked against Washington, though. He's a big reason why they made the playoffs, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had definitely the splash plays for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, let's move on, why don't we? Let's go to yeah. uh, someone who's going to be giving up some splash plays, Akeem McWanyu of the Carolina Panthers. It was so weird where the Panthers uh, said, okay, we're going to improve the offensive line. And, you know, the kind of biggest piece they spent was using the high draft pick on Akeem McWanyu. seemed like every other position ended up working out except for Akeem McWanyu. Now, he turned it around towards the end of the year. Uh, so I, I'm not going to give it an, an F or anything, but probably, a, I, I don't know, a, maybe a, a, a C- minus as well. He's someone who we, yeah, I think was definitely disappointing, but you know, still young, and we did start to see him some signs of growth 
as the season went on? Uh, I went C plus just because I thought he, like you said, I thought he grew into the game. And I guess the one thing I'm thinking about now is like, this was a another position where we thought you could kind of seamlessly transition to the NFL. It seems like it's taking tackles longer and longer to kind of adjust to the game. And I think mm. a lot of it is because edge rushers are so darn good now and so fast that it is kind of, I think it's jarring for a lot of prospects. And we saw it with, you know, Andrew Thomas really struggled. We've seen it with a couple other tackles. And I think all three of these tackles that we're going to talk about here in the top 10, all at various points in the season really struggled at times. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time. And I just wonder if this is, this should be the new normal for offensive tackles where, Maybe it takes a year or two before you really find your your footing as if you're an elite guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe, maybe C plus is probably more fair because I I would still bet right now that Aquanu does. I'd be more surprised if he doesn't work out than if he does at this point. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're going to talk about these other guys too, obviously. Um, but if you went for these three guys in the top ten offensive tackles, Aquanu, Neal, and Cross, I mean, I would say even with this grade, I would say he was the best of the three this season, right? Certainly, especially because let's just go to Evan Neal now. Uh, I mean, this was this was an F, right? I mean, he was quite frankly a mess out there. Yeah, this is so far an F. Um, mm-hmm. It's been rough. It was a very rough season. Um, but that being said, like <laughs> they have Andrew Thomas right on the other side of the offensive line. Right. It's the benchmark mm-hmm. of okay, we can make this better. Can he be an Andrew Thomas? Is that something we can expect upon for consistently out of offensive tackle prospects? Or was Andrew Thomas the anomaly? I guess that's the question. Well, it's almost like the Josh Allen thing, right? Of like yeah. Josh Allen works out now. Everyone's trying to get these big arm quarterbacks who can't you know, throw uh, accurately. It's like, are, do tackles take longer to develop now? Or did Andrew Thomas take longer to develop now? To develop, yeah. you know, and that's kind of it. He's certainly physically gifted, Evan Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, you know, that's definitely something, but he made so many mistakes, man. Like it just yeah. seemed like there was time, like y- you could see the moments where he was like moving bodies and it's impressive, but at the same time, he just got burnt one too many times for me. And obviously it's, it's a tough situation to look at now, but maybe in a couple of years they figure it out similar to Tom's. Yeah. You know what? Let's, uh, let's do something a little bit different. Sorry for messing up your notes. I want to skip a pick. I'm going to skip the eighth pick and go to the ninth pick just because we're talking about the tackles. Let's put them all together. Uh, so this is number nine. The, or, uh, the Seattle Seahawks drafted Charles Cross. Another kind of similar, you know, weirdly, they got him and uh, Abraham Lucas uh, in the draft. And Lucas was the better of the two. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one a solid D, I think. Again, it showed more flashes, had some moments, but was still a disappointment. Uh, I went D plus, but I see the sentiment just because, I mean, I think the one thing when it comes to him is like, I mean, it's, this is easily the toughest situation to step into here, right? Like week one, it was against Bradley Chubb. He faced Nick Bosa twice. uh, And Nick Bosa, I mean, Nick Bosa makes a lot of people look like an idiot on the offensive line, Mm -hmm. but he made Charles Cross look bad. But I mean, there, I think that he still had some pretty good moments. I thought there were some good games in Cross's tape. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of good games, but I thought there were some good games to where I felt better about him than Neil. And he had really tough assignments throughout the season, I thought, for the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Uh, out of these three tackles, how many of them do you think end up being Pro Bowl caliber tackles, uh, you know, five years from now? Pro Bowl caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go with Iquanu. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I'll say like yeah, one or one or two of them uh, will probably end up. I don't know which ones, but uh, that's probably how it'll work out. 
Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I'll say one for now. Okay, uh, so let's go back now to number eight. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons got Drake London, who, you know, uh, we both really liked out of college. I, he, uh, I know he was my number two wide receiver. I can't remember if he was your number one or two, but we were both fans of his. Uh, came into the league, had a great year. Uh, you know, I think it's another A-plus for me. I like what he did. Uh, I did go B plus just because I thought he tailed off a little bit at the end of the year. But overall, I think a lot of that had to do with the quarterback situation more so than mm-hmm. Drake London, uh, yeah. which you know might have been the worst quarterback situation in the league last season as mm-hmm. far as throwing the ball. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that hurt him a little bit. But, yeah, he was my number one wide receiver, and he looked every bit like the part of it. So he was fantastic. I gave it a B plus, and I think there's upside here to be the best receiver in this class still. So I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, and part of why I'm giving it an A plus as well is because of the uh, the situation he was in and the way he was still able to uh, look as impressive as he did. Yeah, and then you know we're gonna t- you know <laughs> there there's a couple receivers right behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because like I still believe he's the best receiver in this <laughs> class, but the two guys right after him had better years, and I think a lot of that does have to do with situations. So I think that you know affects the grading a little bit so far if we're looking at it one year later. But I still think the talent's there to be the, one of the best receivers in the league. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson, another guy who, you know, he was the 11th overall pick to the Jets wide receiver, who I'm going to give another A-plus to. I thought that he came in and was fantastic uh, in a situation that was not great at times, but he was able to really, you know, thrive. Uh, I believe he won Offensive Rookie of the Year, right? So, I mean, that feels like an obvious uh, A-plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's an A-plus for me. He was terrific. This is a guy I was more skeptical with. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, than everybody were. else, like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I, I had some questions about his size. I had some questions about getting off some bigger cornerbacks and he looked good. He looked perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was terrific for this team and uh, had some just monumentally big games and big catches for this team that another one that really struggled at the quarterback spot at times throughout the years. So I thought he did a really good job and deserved the offensive review of the year. Yeah. Uh, imagine uh, Jets fans' excitement if you told them a year ago uh, a first-round pick named w- Wilson is going to have a great year uh, this following year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'd, uh, I think they'd uh, be pretty excited, but not the one they were thinking of. Sure. Right, exactly. Uh, Chris Olave, your guy, uh, Chris Olave of the uh, New Orleans Saints had another, you know, another one of these wide receivers in this uh, run, had another very good year as as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a day. I, I think that I, I don't know if I quite like him as much as I like Drake London and Garrett Wilson still, but I still like him a lot. Uh, and so uh, he's getting an A. Yeah, he's an A for me too. Um, I do, like I said, I do like London's upside still a lot more, but the, the insane route running ability, the same big play ability that he showed in college, Looks like it just translated right to the NFL immediately. And that's not an easy thing to do right away. And uh, yeah, he showed that prime talent that he showed off at Ohio State. And I'm excited to see what he does going forward. I think he's going to be very good. Even if he's not an elite elite guy, I think he's going to be a very, very good guy uh, as far as a receiver for the Saints. So this is a name for me. Yeah, let's end the wide receiver run as there were four selected. Jamison Williams of the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, was hurt, only ended up with 78 snaps this year. I- I'm giving it a C minus. Like, he didn't show a ton in what he played, but he was hurt and barely played. So, I don't know how much to really you know, take into account there. Uh, it's almost like a, you know, uh, you know it's just sort of a question mark here after yeah. one year, just due to the injury, which they knew when they drafted him, you know, they, they were going to get a lot of value this year. Yeah, I, I, 
I kind of said TBD, but at the same time, like I, if I have to give a grade, I'll say C just because we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they obviously knew he wasn't going to play a lot this season. Like you said, um, that being said, some of the splash plays he had at the end of the year. I mean, it's why everybody was excited about him as a prospect too. So, I mean, I think if he was healthy going into the draft, he would have been my number one receiver. Uh, obviously him being hurt affected that for me. But the top end talent's definitely there for him. That's exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jordan Davis, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Jordan Davis here. This was number 13. Um, and, you know, uh, he got got injured at a certain point. He did not get a ton of snaps. For me, this is still going to be a C- minus because I think what they showed is that if they use Jordan Davis in the right situation, he can be very successful. And that's all they kind of want him to be. You know, that's all they needed him to be last year. But... You know, he had 270 snaps. Like, the whole concern about Jordan Davis isn't that he can't bulldoze over guys, right? We know he can do that. The issue is, can he do it for more than a couple hundred snaps a year? We still have not seen proof that he can, which is why uh, I'm still a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily a, you know, I think he does what he does very well, but it's how much value is there in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I said C just because I think we're going to get a lot better idea of what jordan davis is this next season mm-hmm. because theoretically you know there are some older guys on that eagles defensive line theoretically he's stepping in to replace those guys now and this is going to be the year he's going to have to prove himself that being said like we saw the top end plays the plays that make you say wow this guy's really impressive but like you said there was ca- questions about consistency in college and durability in college and there's still questions about consistency and durability for me so i'll say c but I could see him having an awesome year next year. Yeah, I completely agree. We'll, we'll know who he is next year. Yeah. Um, you. I mean, you're assuming Fletcher Cox is gone and that's his spot now, right? Can I you, think that, yeah, think, I think so. Yeah. Do you think he can be a three-down guy? No. I mean, that's why I wasn't a huge fan of him out of college. I, I just don't I – have, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Because, I mean, when he's on the field, he can rush the passer pretty well, which is impressive for a guy his size. But Uh-huh. He has to be on the field for third down for that. <laughs> right. Well, and that's just the thing is, you know, last last year you saw uh, or, you know, the two years in college, even when he wasn't getting much playing time, you saw him kind of like, have to take some plays off because he just, you know, it's he's a big guy. Like it's it's just it's more difficult for him to move than it is for other guys to move. Yeah, he is fun to watch, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. His highlights are awesome. Uh, definitely. And again, he, he played his role very well. The question is just can he become more than just a role player? Right. So that'll be the two be determined for me, but I'll say C for now. And I do think there's still upside there. The 14th overall pick was Kyle Hamilton out of the, uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. I was very uh, low on Kyle Hamilton. And yeah, the second were. the Ravens drafted him, uh, I knew I had screwed up. Uh, this is an A plus pick. They used him exactly the way they wanted to, uh, you know, the way you, you use a Kyle Hamilton. He was PFF's number one rated safety. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, don't listen to me, Baltimore. You know, defensive backs. Good work by you. Yeah, this was a good pick. Um, you know, you're going to have to issue some apologies on this one. This was an A+. Plus. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I thought some of the stuff was a little harsh. Uh, they uh, Notre Dame asked him to do a lot, I thought, in that defense in college. And I thought that was very apparent on his tape and what he was doing, is they were asking him to cover a lot of ground basically every play because he was the best athlete on the field almost every play in college. And I thought that was a really tough job to have. And then the other thing about it is, like, so we saw the pre-draft stuff. And the pre-training camp stuff where everyone was clowning on this pick. And, you know, 
if anyone has ever played football in their life, you know the one-on-one drills between receivers and defensive backs is the dumbest drill to take anything away from as far as on-field product. It's like judging a one-on-one basketball game for someone's future potential. It's mm-hmm. not the same sport. It's just not. You're going to look stupid on some one-on-one drills because somebody gets you on one play. Judging one one-on-one play, one one-on-one drill as something on someone's going to be good or bad, I just think it's dumb. And be better. That's what I say to NFL fans. This is a good pick. He's a really good player. A+. plus. Yeah. I would still say, though, uh, if he got selected by the Texans, I don't know if we're feeling this good about him. I'll still throw it out. I think that it helped that he was in a, he got drafted in a situation of a team that knew his strengths and weaknesses. And had good players around him. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, getting drafted by the Texans and having it not go well, uh, Kenyon Green, which what this was a a surprise when it happened. Uh, the guard uh, picked 15th overall. A lot of people felt like it was uh, an early draft. I I was not a fan of Green. I did not have him as a first round talent. He was PFF's lowest rated guard last year uh, in 823 snaps. He is it's, it's another F pick here. Uh, yeah, I mean. I like Kenyon Green going into the draft, but even me who liked Kenyon Green had him as a fringe first rounder. Uh huh. They traded up to draft him at 15, if I remember correctly, right? I can't remember. They might have traded. I don't remember exactly how it worked out, but uh, I think they traded down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. They traded down a couple of picks. Okay. That's mm-hmm. right. But still, 15 seems like a lot um, compared to what his value was pre draft. And yeah, like you said, it was rough. And I mean, this is the problem too, isn't it? Like Houston is not only not fielding a very good roster, they're missing on draft picks. And mm-hmm. I think we still like the first, you know, the future talent and potential of Stingley, but he also looked bad at times last year and green looks like a disaster. And like, how, how, how does this get fixed for the fix for this franchise? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, hit the quarterback, uh, you know, pick number two. Yeah, well, that that, we'll that that changed everything. Yeah, that's the hope. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, we'll. I, I agree. We will see. Um, let's talk about a guy who you loved. Uh, one of your, uh, you were very high on Jahan Dotson, who had a good rookie year last year. To me, this is a solid B. Uh, I didn't think he was yeah. like amazing, but you know, for pick sixteen as a wide receiver, came in was a solid contributor for them. Uh, I'm giving it a B. Yeah, I did B plus, but yeah, I mean, I think he is a going to be. A good receiver in the NFL. He looks like he's going to be um, – I just think he's going to be an awesome red zone guy. Uh, I saw some of the splashes in the the jump ball ability that he had for Penn State. And I think going forward, yeah, I think he's just going to be very good for this team. And um, I'm excited to see what he can do. I thought he showed some real flashes of brilliance there. Seven touchdowns last season. He's going to be a guy that I think complements McLaurin very well. Yeah, and you know, uh, more weapons for Sam Howell to throw to for the next decade to come. Yeah, that is a the future of the offense is in good hands there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Zion Johnson was picked 17th overall by the Los Angeles Chargers. He's a guard who uh, I remember saying uh, heading into this year, he's the guy who I feel most confident will just be like solid. And that's what happened. Uh, I'll say C plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't really have a lot of opinions on this. I mean, I don't have I don't crunch a lot of guard tape on Lee, but at the same uh-huh. time, like he, you know. The difference is like you could see Kenyon Green look disastrously bad on plays, and mm-hmm. Zion Johnson didn't look disastrously disastrously bad on any particular play that I can remember. So yeah, I mean he was fine. I'll give it a B minus, C plus in that range. Yeah, he felt like the pick. There's a said like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna work out. Work out. And we're not gonna get a star here. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's like good for the next decade and we never talk about him again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. So let's stop talking about him and let's talk about Traylon Burks. Now, the trade itself, I think, has turned into an F. Uh, yeah. But the but you know, it's not fair for Traylon Burks. He did not ask uh, that. I'm going to give it a. I'll give it a B, B plus. I'll go B here for Traylon Burks because we didn't see a ton of him. He just you know he got banged up and didn't play. But uh, I thought he was solid. He was never going to live up to the A.J. Brown comparisons. That wasn't fair to him. But I thought that he played well last year. Yeah, I ended up going C just because he wasn't on the field a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously the injuries didn't help. But at the same time, like, uh, I don't have it in front of me. He graded out exceptionally well for PFF, right? And I think the top end, like, this was a guy I was pretty skeptical about going into the draft because I just thought so much of his success was yak in, the, in college. And I was like... Is he going to be able to do that all the time in the NFL? And he had moments when he was on the field and healthy that he was able to do that in the NFL and look very good. So uh, if he's able to do that consistently, stay on the field, stay healthy, this is going to be a good pick uh, despite a bad trade. So I'll say C for now. Yeah, I uh, just looked it up. Uh, 29th rated uh, wide receiver by PFF out of 113 eligible. So yeah, I mean, they really like him. Yeah, very good. Very good for a rookie season without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints. They had a second uh, draft pick. This is now number 19. They drafted tackle uh, Trevor Penning, who, uh, you know, had 124 snaps last year. Uh, got beat sometimes, looked okay sometimes. Don't really know what to take away from this. This is just a C, which is kind of like a, you know, let's see what happens next year for me. Yeah, I ended up going D plus because he didn't play a lot. Yeah, and that's fair. You, you mm -hmm. kind of want a guy who's going to play, right? Yeah. Um. And I really didn't – this probably biases for me going before the draft too because I didn't really love the pick to begin with because, I don't know, I just didn't see it with this guy. Like, mm -hmm. he's fun because he's a lunatic. Right. But, like, is he actually a good football player or just a guy who likes to hit people? I don't know. We'll see. He's still a penalty magnet even in his little limited sample size. I think it's going to be an interesting thing going forward. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a first-round pick and – you want to see him play, so we'll see if he if he actually plays. <laughs> right, uh, that's totally reasonable. Kenny Pickett at twenty, you know, I think a pick that a lot of us weren't crazy about, uh, just in general. If I don't know, I don't think there was any big Kenny Pickett fans out there. Uh, kind of just felt like you know, a lot of people thought he was fine. I believe I had him as like a fringe first rounder kind of uh, talent. Steelers get him at twenty. I thought he played really well. I mean, he was, uh, I thought a solid quarterback and for a rookie it's really difficult to come in and play well who knows if he can take the next step and become better than what he was last year but last year was a solid player uh i'm giving this pick uh an a just because of how important the quarterback position is and how difficult it is to come in as a rookie and play well yeah i think if you find a starting caliber quarterback at pick 20 that's an a automatically and he looks uh -huh. like a starting caliber quarterback going forward he had 10 touchdowns nine interceptions nine interceptions looked bad compared to seven passing touchdowns but at the same time Go back and look at some of those interceptions on the tape. A lot of those aren't his fault. A lot of those are jump balls that just didn't really go his way. I think that'll correct itself. Um, and, you know, he's behind a bad offensive line his rookie year, which I think is a really hard job to do uh, and be good. And I thought he was good in stretches too. So I'm excited for Kenny Pickett's future. I think this is an A pick without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, any more thoughts? I think that's it. Um. You know, we've kind of alluded the Kenny Pickett thing. Let's get I, I want to talk about it a little more, I guess, because quarterback mm -hmm. is so important. I guess do you 
you know, I was a lot more skeptical of Kenny Pickett before the draft. I think I had him as like a third rounder, <laughs> potentially. Right. He was not mm-hmm. my favorite quarterback. Uh-huh. But he definitely showed the stuff that, you know, his last year in college, he continued to show the flashes. Do you think Pickett is a guy who could potentially be a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the league? Because I think that's what you're looking for with these rookie picks. And it's something they're going to have to discover. They got four more years, basically, of Kenny Pickett. Do you think this is a guy who could be that level of a player? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, so. again, you know, like uh, if you're a fan of PFF, they had him as the 18th ranked quarterback this year, and he was in and out of the lineup as well. So that probably hurt him. I think it's possible he can do that. And that's, to me, I don't see Kenny Pickett ever being an elite quarterback. Maybe it'll happen, but I don't see that. I never, but the, what I liked about him out of college, because there were things I liked and things I didn't like, was that he seemed like he was a very pro ready guy. And you now have three years of paying him very little. And if he can be that, 12th best quarterback in football, you can win a Super Bowl that way by getting good quarterback mm-hmm. play and not paying for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's what no, I think that's what Steelers are going to hope for. And I think he definitely could potentially be that level, especially with the ability that he has with his legs, which I think they're going to show more of next season, too, even. Um, and I hope they do because it is such a special gift that he has. Um, would you take Pickett over Mac Jones right now? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would. I Pickett, I thought, you know, I think him and I think Jones is better as a rookie than Pickett was. But for one thing, I'm getting an extra year with Pickett now, right? Uh, so I get that extra mm-hmm. rookie c- contract year. And, you know, uh, Mac Jones is coming off of a tough season. Kenny Pickett has yet to have a tough season. Maybe he will. But as of right now, give me Pickett. Yeah. Would you rather have Pickett or Tua? I, I mean, uh, obviously Tua, I think, in that scenario. I'm just curious. I think it's a mm-hmm. conversation. <laughs> you think, I, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, Tua was really good before he got injured last year. Yeah, but he is injured, and that's the problem. I and guess then so. Second, like, I mean, if you take the, you know, I don't know if they're actually going to pursue Lamar. It's the rumors again. This is the second offseason in a row they're kind of looking at moving on from Tua. Like, doesn't that tell you a little bit about how the Dolphins feel about him? Maybe, but I, I thought that they shot down to Lamar rumors. Uh, I still see him rumored there. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe not, but mm. they definitely went after Brady. That was one. But also, I mean, going after Lamar or Brady isn't necessarily uh, like, you know, there's a big difference between those guys and you know, even good quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I don't know. I I like Pickett's upside. I think I might take him over both guys. Okay. Interesting. You've done a full full 180 on Pickett. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was mm-hmm. impressed this season. Like I said, I you know, it was someone I didn't love in the draft. But at the same time, like if someone... You know, I'm willing to change my mind on anyone who play, who plays well. You know, this is, right. I think, one of the most important things people have to remember when it comes to draft talk. I love doing draft talk. I love talking about these guys. I watch them all the time in college. Um, the most important thing is not to take yourself seriously, because if anyone was really good at this, you would have a job for an NFL team. And right. we don't have jobs for the NFL team for a reason, because this is really hard. None of these guys, no, nobody's good at this. And so just... Don't take yourself seriously with it. It's my my expert opinion when it comes to draft talk. Yeah, uh, exactly. Especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Who knows of that yeah. stuff? Uh, let's talk about corner, a cornerback, Trent McDuffie of the Chiefs. I'm giving this an A. He was a yeah. really good slot corner for them. Big reason why they won a Super Bowl. I mean, uh, that's you know easy A. You could you know maybe I'm being too low, not giving it an A plus. Yeah, I think it's an A. I think it's mm-hmm. very much an A. I think he's very good. I think he showed the stuff in Washington that uh, was very good, too. I, I'm excited for his future. I guess the one question for McDuffie is, like, the size is still a thing for me. Like, 
mm-hmm. he's small. Um, you know, he looks like an older corner compared to the modern corner where you're looking for someone who's like six one, six two. And so I think the thing is, like, as a first round pick who's not an outside corner because he's small, is that worth it positional value wise? I think that's the only question I have because he is very good at that slot corner spot. And I think he's going to be good for a lot of years, but I think you want someone who can kind of play on the outside a little more than McDuffie probably can as far as a first round pick. But that being said, he's good at his job. Yeah, I would still say so. I mean, if, if you, uh, if you drafted a will linebacker uh, at this spot, I feel like people would be like, uh, you know, would still be saying like, Oh yeah, that that's, that's worth the value at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So mm-hmm. I think that's the only question, but I do think he is very good. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Quay Walker. Why don't we uh, keep him away from your training staff, uh, Quay Walker? Uh, again, this was it was a weird pick when it happened. Uh, I think a lot of people were confused about it. The kind of uh, drafting on athleticism didn't work out rookie year. Uh, I'm, I'm again, uh, I'm going to give this one an F. I, I didn't like this pick at the time. It He could grow and get better as a player. But when you also have the he's getting th- he got thrown out of essentially a playoff game. Uh, I mean, you know, this is an F for me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm going to give it an F2. It's a tough pick, and it just didn't make sense at the time, and it still doesn't make sense, and maybe that's still our bias because there were still moments that he played all right, I thought. But yeah, I mean, in the biggest spot of the spot of the season, getting kicked out of the game is not a good look. So yeah, that's an F right there. Yeah. Uh, is, is there hope for, for him to turn it around? I think there's some, right? I mean, if a player yeah. is going to turn it around, it'd be a player like Quay Walker, right? And he's still had mo- he's still had good games. Like this mm-hmm. isn't like you know watching Kenyon Green just be a turnstile. You know, right? He had good games. He had good moments. But it's a, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, I think. And he could still be a very good player. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Kair Elam of the Buffalo Bills. We are now pick. Uh, I believe this is pick twenty two. Uh, into the list. Should have written it down. Uh, uh, Kair Elam, the corner for the Bills, who came in and I, I thought played okay. I didn't think this was a great year. I think this was a bad year by him. Uh, so I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a, a C plus just because corners take some time to develop and just being even just a contributor, there is still some value in that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't see. It was a really tough year for him, right? Like they mm-hmm. had injuries at the cornerback spot that kind of thrust him into difficult positions, but then those guys started to come back. So his playing time was inconsistent. Um, but I think the thing is, is like you really wanted him to kind of cement himself opposite Trey White. And I don't really think he did that, right? I think that's probably what you're saying. But that being said, I still think there's upside here. And I still think he's going to be an all right player. And like you said, corners do take a little bit of time. So I think that's something that they're going to have to look at going forward. Is Can he be that guy opposite their guy? Yeah. I mean, listen, I know that they were hoping for him to come in and just be like a good corner right away. But that's probably just unfair expectations of him, I think. Right. Like they wanted him to start. And he's just, you know, that that's very rare for an outside corner. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, that I, I think so as well. Uh, any final thoughts on him? Um, no, I mean, I guess the one thing is like, you know, if you look at some of the corners around, like, would you take him or Cam Taylor Britt after one year? Um, probably him. I, I liked him more coming out of the draft. So uh, Cam Taylor Britt had a li- maybe a little bit more flashes, but it doesn't seem obvious to me that one's better than the other. So I'll take the guy who I had higher uh, pre-draft. Yeah, I, I I think it's close, but I think you could argue Taylor Britt had a better season. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of the one sure. thing where it's like, okay, there's guys around him that were better. You know, does this get better for him? Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh I, I think that's fair. And again, Trent McDuffie went one pick prior to him too, which, you know, I think they would have liked to have have him over Elon right now. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So. Mm-hmm. 
the Dallas Cowboys made a surprising draft pick getting Tyler Smith here uh, at pick 23, and it worked out for them. I'm giving this a B plus. I thought it was a good starting tackle for him. Really? I gave it an A. I thought he was the best. You know, sure. we talked about sure. those tackles yeah. in the top 10 really struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say he was the best offensive tackle in this draft. Right. And he was the fourth taken. So I, I'm mm-hmm. giving that an I mean, I'll go. Actually, I'll change that up. I'll give it an A. Actually, sorry. He was the fifth tackle taken. I forgot Penning barely played. He was in there, too. Mm-hmm. He was the fifth tackle taken. I'll give it an A+. plus. Yeah, um, that seems reasonable. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I guess my my question though is like I think for me I'm saving a plus for like you have a like Pro Bowl caliber player for the next ten years. I don't know if we've seen that from him yet. I think he could be. I mean, he's physically very talented. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he can be that level of player. Um, obviously, you know, there's still some of the the young offensive tackle things. A lot of penalties from him, but I thought you know. This was another guy who, I mean, game one, he went into a difficult Tampa Bay game and I thought held up at times. I mean, he struggled at times too, but throughout the season, he had difficult challenges and I thought he stepped up to with some of his most difficult opponents. I think there is some serious upside here. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I'm i totally with you. I, I like I like Tyler Smith a lot. I think, uh, you know, I think he's going to be very good. Yeah. So, I mean, we're arguing A and A plus. So, I mean, right. it's not that much difference. But yeah, I mean, I think it's an A plus pick without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a pick that I'm going to give an A+. Plus. Tyler Linderbaum uh, by the Baltimore Ravens uh, was a center and, uh, you know, played, played I thought, very well for them uh, his rookie year. I, I think this is you know, the, the one knock that he had coming out of draft was simply his positional value. That's, that's mm-hmm. you know, typically it's good to get those guys unless they're punters. Uh, that's what you want to, you know, anyone who the only issue is their positional value late in the first round tends to be a good pick. He was exactly what they were looking for as this was a you know, really good draft by the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, this was an A plus for me too. You found a starting level caliber center who has the upside. I think, you know, upside. I think for a potentially Pro Bowl level center, and you got him at the twenty fifth pick. So yeah, I'll give it an A plus. Yeah, um, Jermaine Johnson of the New York Jets. Uh, this is pick number twenty six now uh, on the board uh, by the the New York, New York Jets. Um, didn't play a lot. Only 300 snaps. Looked solid in those snaps. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a, a C plus. Kind of another one of those like looked good in a small sample size, but I can't really give you higher than you know in the C range just because I, I didn't see you that often. Uh, yeah, I mean I went B just because I thought he was good, but yeah, I mean I understand the snap count thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop because, I mean, the one thing that I guess you could argue is like we didn't see a lot of the pass rush stuff that like was kind of his knock going into the draft. And I think why he eventually fell is that he was kind of a better run defensive end than pass rushing defensive end. And the value of that at this spot in the draft, I think is the question, but he was still very good at what he did. And I thought, you know, everything that we thought he'd be good at in the NFL, he was good in the NFL. And it's just, can he add those pass rush tools to his game? Yeah, uh, he was another. I remember he's a guy who uh, analytics were not a fan of. Got come, you know, he did not have a great pass rush win rate uh, in college. Uh, and again, through the small sample size, hasn't been was kind of just mediocre in that range this year. Uh, in the sample, he wasn't great. He was better run defender than pass rusher uh, year one. Yeah, so I still think there's upside there, and I still think there's value to defensive ends who can defend the run very well. I could see him having, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of you know a a good comp for what his career could be but as far as like like if you look at like a Diedrich Wise I think like I think it could be that where he's good for a lot of years and then has a very good season as he develops that pass rush to his game 
Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it's possible. The, the upside is there. Yeah. So uh, I'll give it a B for now, but I do think there's you know still room to grow. Yeah. Number the pick the twenty seventh pick of the draft. The Jaguars selected Devin Lloyd, and a few weeks in, they felt like they had a defensive rookie of the year candidate. It did not work out that way. He started to struggle a little bit, specifically in coverage towards the end of the year. Um, but I thought still stopped the run well and still rushed the passer well when he needed to do those things. So there's things like about Devin Lloyd. I think I'm still going to give this a B minus Kyle, even though the, the coverage was an issue. He showed flashes. I think the coverage will work out. Uh, I'm betting on Devin Lloyd to still have success, but I can't put it too much higher because he didn't have it year one. So that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it a B B minus two. We had the same grade on this one. I agree with you. Like he had some struggles towards the end of the season, but I keep going back to like that Chargers game in like week three. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, once we find this guy consistently, this is going to be one of the best linebackers in the league, right? You know? Yeah. So I do think eventually he's going to get to that point where he's at that level. And we saw the flashes. We just didn't see it consistently enough. So I'll go B minus. Yeah. Uh, and, and linebacker, another one of those positions tends to take some time, especially yeah. in coverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one then. Uh, Devontae Wyatt. Had a weird rookie year. Barely, <laughs> could, couldn't really get on the field. Uh, you know, they struggled to get, and he was healthy, and they just wouldn't play him, which was odd. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think he was bad or good necessarily when he was out there. He had some some tough reps, but I don't think he was ever able to get into a rhythm this season. So I don't know how much to hold against him. Uh, I'm going to give it a C minus. Just a weird, weird first year for him. Well, he, he slipped so much in the draft because of, you know, off the field stuff. That it became mm. a question. And I think the, the Packers just kind of said this was a best player available thing. But I think the weird thing about this pick was that they didn't really need him because they had Reed and Clark in the middle of that defense. So there just wasn't a lot of reps to go around, like you were saying. So I'll give it a C and kind of a to be determined thing because I still think he's really talented. And I still think the upside's there because this was a guy who I think if he didn't have the off field stuff, would have been in the top 15 of this draft. Um, but yeah, I do think the upside's there. It's just the the off the field stuff moved him down, and he ended up on a team that didn't really need him. That I, I feel like just kind of used the asset. Yeah, but still, it's not like he was uh, defensive line interior defensive lineman number three either. I mean, it felt like he was you know even further down the depth chart. Yeah, that's true. But I'm hoping he gets an opportunity for more reps. Yeah, again. We do sometimes see with these bigger defensive linemen that they can take some time to develop. There's a lot of position to take time to develop. Uh, that's another one of them. Uh, yeah. So definitely no reason to panic. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about it at all yet. I just want to see a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Cole Strange was the the strange pick of the end of the first round. 29th overall. The Patriots selected him. Uh, Kyle, I don't know. Uh, he, he looked like an NFL caliber uh, guard out there, but I was not overly impressed or anything. Uh, I'm going to give this a D minus. Not quite an F. Won't give him an F because he did at least look, look like he belonged out there. But uh, I don't know. For a pick that's a risky one, feels like you got to hit it. And I don't think they did. Yeah, I ended up saying C minus just because I do think he is going to be really good. And like that's it. It, it was a bad. It's I still think it's a bad pick. Right. But I think it's a good player in a bad pick. And I think I'm trying to separate that because I do think he's a good player, even if it's positionally value bad and a high risk for a guy who probably would have been there later in the draft. Even if the reports, you know, they're trying to say they thought he was going to be taken pretty early in the second round. 
who knows at that point. Um, but like there was a long stretch at the beginning of the season where like he didn't give up a penalty. He didn't have a penalty against him, which I thought was impressive. And then all of a sudden he had like a stretch where he couldn't stop committing penalties. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think he's learning on the fly. I do think he is going to be good. And I think this is a team that develops this position very well. So I do think eventually he's going to be one of these guys that's one of the best in the league at this spot. But I still think there's a little bit of ways to go. Yeah. And you you look at his, uh, I look at his like PFF grades per game. And it's interesting just how, you know, the first like seven weeks, he was consistently like 50s to 60s, which is like fine, nothing great. And then after that, he just had like bad game, decent game, bad game, decent game, bad. And so it's like mm-hmm. the inconsistency in the second half of the year is something he has to improve upon, which, you know, you're like you said, it's the Patriots. Uh, I think if the Patriots, if Patriots didn't draft him and like the Texans did, we're probably both giving this pick an F. But given that we trust the Patriots, we're giving it higher. Yeah. And, you know, there's guards taken before him that would have been worse, too. So I think, you know, I think he's going to be fine. But like you said, I think he's going to need the reps. He's going to need the experience. And he just didn't really get in year one. Yeah, uh, I think I agree. Number 30, George Karloftis of the Kansas City Chiefs, who, you know, it's a weird thing where like PFF wasn't a fan of him, but he did get numbers this season he did get pressures he did get uh sacks when he was out there and that was a you know a solid rotational piece for them uh as a rookie i'm gonna give this one a uh i don't know i'll, I'll give this a, a, a c plus i think he showed the flashes i want to see i think he has upside and again uh we'll see what he does when he has a, a year under his belt i think i'm friendlier than you are i gave this a b i thought you know i thought year one he was pretty good and like you said he was kind of a part-time edge rusher and uh you know the expectation is he's going to get a lot better, and I thought he did pretty well in year one, and I think there's room to grow. And, I mean, now that we've seen the news that it's probably not going to be Frank Clark back in a Chiefs uniform, the expectation is he's going to step up in year two. I'm expecting a big year out of him in year two. Yeah, although, I mean, he, you know, he had a good amount of snaps year one. I mean, he had over 800 snaps last year. Yeah, that's true. But it just it seemed like that it wasn't as big part of the defense as he was projected to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're still kind of banking on Clark for a lot of that stuff. And I think he's going to step into a pretty prime role this season. Yeah. Listen, I have full confidence that he will be a successful edge rusher. I just have not seen him yet be that guy. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on it, but I still, I mean, I have a positive grade C plus. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Daxton Hill, the Cincinnati Bengals, who picked 31st since they were in the Super Bowl. They select uh, Daxton Hill. Kyle, I'm sure you have uh, a lot to talk about about Daxton Hill and his 150 snaps last year. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot to go off with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just said C. This felt like an easy C. I didn't uh-huh. see a lot of him. Uh, you know, he, he had some good snaps in the time he did play, but we just didn't see a lot. So I'll go see. Yeah, com- completely what I uh, did as well for pretty much the exact same reason. And uh, Lewis Seen uh, at pick 32 with the Vikings, uh, even even better with his two snaps last year. But those two snaps were great, Kyle. Uh, a plus. I mean, it's incredible stuff. I, mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, this was, I guess, you know, I don't even know what to grade this. This was an incomplete for me, but I mean, yeah. we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, we'll uh, see what happens. Oh, my gosh. End of the show. <laughs> All right. Well, what a great way to end it. Uh, yeah, uh, Kyle, that was a fun uh, fun exercise. Yeah, it just kind of caps off the end of the season. You know, we're, we're now gearing up. It's time. We got free agency next week. We're going to have plenty to talk about. We're going to have, we're going to have a, you know, the, Next week is all business. This was this was a fun show for us. Next week's all business as we're breaking down all the news. 
Yeah. Uh, even our all business uh, stuff tends to be pretty. Uh, you know, we, we tend to keep our hair our, our hair back here on uh, or oh, keep our hair down, keep our hair down here on the show, Kyle. Yeah, we don't take ourselves very seriously. That's for sure. No, uh, definitely not. Um, but yeah, fun show. Um, Kyle, let me know where you can find us on Twitter before we head out. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Gronin. And make sure to follow the account page at on the sideline JK. That is at on the sideline JK. Yes, of course. If you like audio only podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, uh, search on the sideline podcast. It should be available there. So definitely uh, check us out there if you'd like to, if that's uh, what you're into, or just watch us here, whatever you want. Yeah. Wherever, however you want to listen to us. Just give yeah. us viewership. That's all I ask. Yeah, you just get, we crave that attention. Just make sure you don't don't turn it off. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> what you been up to, man? I, how you survive an off season? Uh, off season is good. Uh, I'm getting you know preparing for the free agency that's coming up a, a little bit. Off season is you know uh, it's it's a lot a lot easier. It's it's sometimes I don't know. It feels like it's more work sometimes because like the working on Sundays don't feel like work for me. I'm watching football. So, but like now that I don't have that, but I'm still having to put out a bunch of videos. It almost feels like I'm doing war work. Uh, yeah, no, I can definitely understand that. Have you been watching other sports? Um, yeah, I've been watching hockey. Uh, the Lightning finally won another game after losing a bunch. Uh, the Bruins are, you know, they're winning every game. Yeah, we're going to dominate. I mean, you think so? It feels, I mean, actually. Are you not worried about the president's trophy curse? (laughs) Well, I was talking to my dad about this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we we watched the team a lot. And um, we made made the comparison. We said this feels like a 2007 Patriots situation where if you're not following the NHL, this team is on pace to potentially break the NHL points record in the season, um, which is basically saying it's the best regular season ever similar to the 07 Patriots. And we feel like this could be an 07 Patriots moment where he just kicked in the balls in the finals or something and just leave a sour taste in my mouth for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, Listen, uh, hockey's weird. Uh, If you tell me who do you think is going to win, is this one team going to win the Stanley Cup? I'm going to say no, because that, you know, it feels like it's very hard to predict. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of it comes down to the crazy bounces in the playoffs, the hot goalie, Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is that we've had the hot goalie all season. Linus Olmark has been an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Um, we now are doing this cap rule that Tampa Bay took took advantage of a couple of years ago, where we have Taylor Hall on the long term injured reserve, and it seems like you know we traded for Tyler Bertuzzi because of it, and now it seems like we're going to wait till Taylor Hall comes back for the playoffs and ha- have his number not count against the cap. So we're going to have this loaded roster. We have the hot goalie all season. Allmark seems like a lock for the Vezina at this point. And it all just seems way too good to be true. So we'll see. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I don't it, It's well, because what, like Florida was this last year. Obviously, you know, the Lightning tied the record for most wins uh, in a season and got swept out of round one. Uh, and the Lightning, what they've been doing is just, you know, what they traded the five draft picks to get a, get a guy who's just like a great fighter, which like, okay, that's just what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you're going to make the playoffs, but at oh, the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, we're just, we have a clear strategy, which is we're going to get to the playoffs and hopefully we can bully Toronto and then bully you guys. That's what, that's what they're trying to do. Might work. You yeah. still have the top end talent too. You have Vasilevsky mm-hmm. who can win any series. You have Kucherov who can, you know, get a dozen or so points in any series. It all just kind of comes down to that. I don't know. I mean, the Bruins are obviously an incredible hockey team this season. And it all just comes down to, is this possible to continue? You know, they've been the most dominant team since October. 
can this continue into the postseason and all the way through June? Right, because we all know that the rules are different in uh, postseason hockey. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. A lot more I mean, that's literally, the rules are different. They get called differently. Yeah, it's a lot more physical. It's a lot uh-huh. harder to kind of you know have freedom of movement, and that's what those Bruins offense has kind of been this season with all these guys. It's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a fun postseason. As long as we don't lose it, to- if we lose to Toronto, the one team we always beat. I'm gonna lose my shit, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's just, well. It's in Toronto's really good. I mean, like I feel like these like those three. You could argue are like the three best teams in the league, and they're all in the same. You know, they're only one of them is gonna make it to the conference final. Right. I I think Carolina's another one too. Carolina, never, they they just never scare me. It's just stupid Carolina. <laughs> I just I, they never bother me. You can't do it. You, get, no. you can't talk yourself into it. It's, I mean, it's, I don't it's know. like the Nuggets. It's like they're like one of those, you know, like like the Raptors before they had Kawhi. It's just like one of those. Like I, I can't take you seriously. I don't know. Svechnikov. I mean, he's he's another dude. Sure. They, I don't know. They got guys. He's not know. Pasternak. He is not. He's not Kucherov mm-hmm. either. Right. Yeah. No. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I have to see it uh, before I believe it. Make a conference final at least. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they they seem to be the sleeping giant every year, and they don't, you know, they stay, and they asleep. stay asleep. Yeah. So, been watching basketball at all? Um, a little. I saw my guy James Harden's back. He is looking good. Mm-hmm. I gotta say though, the um the the Harden Harden ball is kind of dead. It's not really Harden ball anymore when I watch Seventy Sixers, but this is kind of fun to watch. I mean, he's. He's aggressive looking in transition. He's passing the ball early rather than late in the shot clock. It's not really him having to dictate everything. And this might be a better version of James Harden than the Harden in Houston. I mean, that guy won an MVP and was one of the best offensive players of all time. So I guess mm-hmm. I can't necessarily say that. But I mean, at the same time, like when the pressure's not on him to perform in the playoffs, this could be a perfect situation for him. Yeah, this might be the ideal situation for having a James Harden in a game seven. Yeah, I just don't trust Doc Rivers, man. Like, yeah, he. I I was at the game the other day when they played Dallas and they lost it, and I had a Philly fan that was messaging during the game, and I'm just like, like they don't stagger their lineup. Like they take Harden and Beat at the same time, and then they start the second quarter with both those guys out, and then they started the fourth quarter with Harden and Beat out, and like, like Dallas has a very distinct. For rotation where Luca plays the entire first quarter, Kyrie comes out with about four minutes to go. Kyrie starts the second quarter while Luca sits. Luca plays the entire third quarter. Kyrie comes out with about four minutes to go. Starts the fourth quarter while Luca sits, and it's just like all of a sudden the fourth quarter starts. Harden and Embiid inexplicably are not both not out there, and Kyrie just goes ballistic against these second teamers for Philadelphia and Montrezl Harrell. And I'm like, what are, what are we what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like who who this is 2023 basketball. How have you not figured this out by now? I don't uh, they're just getting, getting every every team confident. They're going to be overconfident, not in doubt the Sixers, <laughs> and that's one uh, playoff performer James Harden is going to come through. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Um, <laughs> but the, the stack, uh, they're they look so good for the three games that Embiid is healthy in the playoffs, Kyle. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that's what it is every time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Uh. Yes. Uh. Good. Thank you, everybody, for watching to the end. We appreciate it. Uh. Uh, Kyle, any final thoughts? Um, no, no, I think we're good. Just grinding through the summer, spring and summer, ready for football season, ready for college stuff. Um, doing more draft stuff. I enjoy the draft. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we didn't uh, talk combine. Did you? 
did you take anything away from that? Are you buying into the Anthony Richardson hype now? Um, well, we'll talk about it more, you know, but uh, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. Like, I, I guess so. I, I mean, I don't really care, care about the combine too much. Richardson's just the, the weirdest prospect of all time. I mean, he's just he's Josh Allen 2.0. Uh, yeah. but like, is that does that mean he's gonna? Tra- uh, usually, that guy doesn't work out. But ever since Josh Allen, everyone thinks that they all work out. So I don't know. It, it, weird prospect. Like, I can't really put my finger on him. Well, it's it's certainly impressive when you have the graphic that says he outperformed Cam Newton at the combine physically. Uh huh. Like, yeah, that catches people's sure. attention. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like. Like nobody talks about his throwing drill during the combine, where mm-hmm. he missed like five or six throws. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he he's the I've never seen a quarterback on tape have more throws that I'm just like, where were you even throwing that to? Like, yeah. he's missing guys by like twenty yards. Yeah, but at the same time, like I think part of the Richardson intrigue this season is because the top two guys are not viewed as high ceiling guys. Hmm. And he is the highest of high ceilings, right? Right. Like, I mean, this is this is a guy. I mean, I sound like Chris Collinsworth. This is the guy that I have. I mean, I covered high school sports in South Georgia, North Florida, when he was in high school. I've watched him for a lot of years, and I've always been enamored with his talent. Like, if I were to talk about high school players, athletes, he is in my top three of high school athletes okay. I've seen all time. And that's it. That's a very rarefied era of athlete, I think, because the other is a five-star running back who went to Alabama, and the other is a four-star quarterback that's at Michigan right now. Who I think in a couple of years we're going to have the same exact conversation about as a quarterback prospect. Um, mm-hmm. But gotcha. he is that rarefied era of athlete, and it's just so bizarre. Like it's hard not to fall in love with that, but he can't throw consistently so it's tough <laughs> right yeah it reminds me of the meme when josh allen came out of college where it was like everyone's weakness and for his weakness it was can't throw to football it's like that that, <laughs> that pretty much feels like anthony richards did playing quarterback yeah exactly. yeah exactly but hey it worked out for him so uh i don't know uh it's, it's such a the one thing i have to say about richardson uh one take that i just do not agree with at all is i've heard some people say you should take him because then if he doesn't work out at quarterback you could try him in a different position i think that's an insane i mean if you're spending a top five pick on a quarterback because you think that maybe if it doesn't work out, you'll get him in a different position. I, I don't know how much value there really is in that. And he's not working out at the position. So it's not like he's going to be, okay, right. I'm going to play receiver today. This yeah. isn't Matt Saracen in Friday Night Lights. Like, come on, right. man. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do think he has jumped Will Levis, though, because of all this, right? Like, because mm-hmm. they, they were both viewed as the athletes. Right. Uh, you know, and he outperformed physically Will Levis. And that was the conversation. Yeah, no, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, we will be back a week from today talking about all of the craziness that it will happen. The legal tampering period will be over at that point. It will be just straight up free agency. So we'll have you know, a couple of days to talk about the, the signings and what's happening there. We're going to recap everything that happens. Uh, and maybe it'll be even breaking news during the show. Same time, same place next week, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, be on the lookout. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Colin, any final thoughts? I'm going to ask you again. No, no, we're all good. Let's get out of here. All right, let's get out of here again. Thank you to everybody. We do appreciate it. Uh, and until next time, what was what was my outro again? You're supposed to say apologizes. We didn't have time for Derek Carr. All right. Uh, so apologies. We did not have time for Derek Carr. Uh, and until next time, what what? How do I end it? I don't know what's happening. Have a good one. Just say have bye. A good one. <laughs> bye. <laughs>